Before we start this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which we're recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. In this episode, I speak with footballer Chloe Legazzo. When I didn't make the 2015 World Cup, mm. I spiralled and I just gave up football. I had resented it so much and I was very angry at myself and at all the time that I had missed. Chloe Legazzo hasn't had the typical athlete journey. Sure, she's played over 50 games for Australia and is an integral part of the so-called golden generation of Matildas. Starting out in the W League when she was just 16, before making her debut in the green and gold a few years later. But Chloe thought that her journey would continue to travel in one direction, upwards. So when she missed selection for the Matildas World Cup campaign in 2015, she was upset, frustrated and disappointed. So at just 20 years of age, she decided to leave her athlete life behind. What came next was an incredible story about resilience, choices and perspective. But before we get into that, let's go back to where it all began, growing up in Sydney in the late 1990s. Little Chloe was full of energy all the time outside, just wanted to be like one of the boys, like my brother and all of my cousins. Um, and I could not <laughs> sit still for the life of me. Super adventurous and um, always asking questions. You, you're a twin, aren't you? you got a twin I brother, am. Vincent? I do have a twin brother. His name's Vincent. What was it like um, growing up with a twin? Polar opposite. Like we are two completely different people. It was it was cool. We looked after each other um, so much, actually, to the point where when we were like getting older in primary school, they had to like separate us because um, I was mothering him and smothering <laughs> him. Um, but yeah, like the the more we've grown up, that actually the closer that we've gotten. Um, he's so smart and I'm athletic. So as kids, we were just completely different. Did you, we've had a few twins on the show. Did you have any kind of twin um, telepathy or anything like that growing up with Yeah, I actually have a story. Cool. Um, So we, in our old house in Castle Hill, Mm -hmm. um, when my parents were painting it, they allowed us to pick the colours of our own room. And my mum was like, okay, like one of you stay downstairs and while the other's like picking the colours because we don't want them influenced. Um, so my brother was upstairs, I was downstairs, and then we swapped. Um, we picked the exact color, same two colors. We picked two colors, same two colors, blue and yellow. So I had three yellow walls and one blue, and he had three blue walls and one yellow. I think that was just wild. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Did I, Does it continue on in any any other strange occurrences? Or you said your polar opposites never polar happened again? Polar opposites now. That was, that was one, one time only. So how did football come into your life? So... I I always say that I never really had a choice with the sport that I played because I have an Italian heritage and I have a Scottish heritage and both of them absolutely <laughs> love football. So for me, I think it was really easy for my parents to be able to put all three kids, so I have an older sister as well, mm-hmm. all three kids into one sport and there was a, a local field down the road from our house. So we would just walk there. My, my dad was the coach, my mum was the manager and as kids, that's just what we played. Cool. Um, I never really liked any other sport, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I just fell in love with football and then that was the only thing that I did. I did swimming lessons and I ran um, little A's. But besides that, I think all I wanted to do was have a ball at my feet. Were you good? Were you a natural? I was so bad. No. Really? Yeah. How? Yeah, I was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just was, I, I'm not like tall at all in any way. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I was tiny. And mm. like, I think I only grew when I was like 18 and I didn't grow that much. And I weighed up until like a few years ago, I weighed like 52 kilos. Um, so for me, I was tiny. Mm. So when I was younger, like I would be overshadowed because I was too small and I would get pushed off the ball really easy. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really great. I think I just worked really, really hard to get mm. to where I am. Did you not get selected for teams and things like that because yeah, of your size like, and because of that? Yeah, through the youth system, um, for sure, I didn't get selected. I didn't get selected at all for any youth um, until I actually hit 18 
And then I got selected for my first under-20s camp. Oh, sorry. I think I was 19. My first under-20s camp. And then I made my under-20s camp. And then I was too old to play. So that was my first, like, actually, like, big break into mm. um, into football. And it was because I hadn't been given, like, the opportunity to play for, like, New South Wales or anything like that. Um, but through high school, I was selected into, like, and Swiss, I'm, I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure if you're familiar with New that. New South Wales yeah. Institute of Sport. Yeah, yep. and that came through the, the school that I selected. The coach ended up being, my school coach ended up being the coach of N Swiss and that ended up working nice. out really well. Yeah. yeah. So that cut p- pathway was kind of made for you then, right? Yeah. Well, funny because, um, so uh, all three kids went to a private school mm-hmm. and then I was playing soccer with one of my friends and she was saying that she was going to a public school that had soccer included in the program. So mm. then my mum was a bit hesitant and was kind of like, okay, go go on trial. This will be pretty good. Year seven mm. all the way through to year 12. Um, and I got selected and my mom hid my letter for like three months um, <laughs> right. and didn't tell me that I actually made it into the program because she didn't want me to leave a private school. It was really good. It was a yeah. really good private school and I, and I was I was happy there. Yeah. It was helping me a lot. Um, but yeah, if I didn't, if I didn't go to that school, I wouldn't be, I 100% know that I wouldn't be where I am today. So that right. pathway definitely led me to being in the national team. So you ended soccer up at of, the public school in at the, the end. public school, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Because I, I think I was getting phased out of soccer there and I was only in like um, club soccer land. Yeah, yeah. So had you gone into the private school system, you don't think that you would have been where well, you Well, I today? know hands down I definitely wouldn't be wow. where I am. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Did things oh. start then? Is that when things started changing for you? You started getting selected more and – yeah, I think I was just in the right circle of people. So mm. when I went to this school, um, I was around national team players. I didn't know that the Matildas were um, a thing. Mm. So I was exposed to uh, the W League that was called mm-hmm. back then, now the A League. Um, I was exposed to players who played in that. I didn't know that league even existed. Mm. Um, so I was in this realm of like actual football people. And yeah. I had a really good coach and I think – all of those pathways then led me to to here. Do you ever talk to your mum about that and just say, Imagine. "Oh, I joke about it all the time." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "You could have, you could have completely altered my life," <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. Yeah, but end. you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it paid off, you know. Yes, because <laughs> you were in the W League when you were 16, right? Yeah. What I think, was that experience like? That's so young, right? Yeah, I think. Um, I think. I mean, I remember I had a really, really big. I came in as an injury replacement player. I think I was 17. Mm. And um, it was amazing. Just because the girls there, I was really scared of everyone. But Mm. it was awesome because a lot of the girls in the Sydney FC team at the time were national team players and that I looked up to. And I was like, wow, this is Mm. really, really cool to be a part of. Um, But also, like, I had been exposed to them at school. So then it was kind of easy for me. and Less intimidating. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Not really, but still really intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was it was good. It was um I didn't really think of it at the time because I think the league back then wasn't that professional. So I think coming into a league mm-hmm. now in with the standards that it has now, mm-hmm. it would be really intimidating. Where back then it was kind of a little bit more relaxed. Mm. The players were incredible, but I think the league was a lot more relaxed. What about your Matilda's debut? Because that happened not so long after you made your W yep. League debut. How old were you and can you remember how you felt leading into that debut, talking about yeah. intimidation? Yeah. I So my from when I debuted for the W League until when I debuted for the national team was only a couple of years. And um, I just think to myself, oh, everything was amazing. I had just like finished high school. I had like gone overseas for the first time, played um, amateur um, over in the US. And I mm-hmm. came back and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm the bee's knees. Um, <laughs> and... So I had my first national team game I played in Wollongong and we beat China to nil. Mm-hmm. And so at the time I was like, this is incredible. I did it with a, a coach that had only been in there for not that long. So it was a surprise when I got called in as an injury replacement player again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not expect at all to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I made my national team debut, um, I thought, you know, this is incredible. This is going to be the rest of my life. And then I didn't go back in for a couple of years. So that was a harsh reality. I made one yeah. or two camps and then uh, I waited a few years to get back in. So you played your first game, mm-hmm. made a couple of camps, thought this is it, I'm a mm-hmm. Matilda. Mm-hmm. And it is like, I mean, that is the arrogance of youth, right? And mm-hmm. 
the naivety yeah, of youth as well. <laughs> like, yeah. So mm-hmm. what what happened? Is that when you had your break at that point? Or um, was that? It was just a little bit. Yeah. So it was just a little bit after that. Um, it was, yeah, I had the arrogance of like, yeah, I'm going to be amazing. This is awesome. Um, I had like the expectations when I came back into the W League that I was going to do really well since mm. I'd been in the national team. Um, and I just remember vividly like this one W League season, the coach was like, you know, we're going to rely on you to do really well this season. And I played three games that whole year. Wow. Because my attitude was horrendous. Right. Um, I just like didn't care, I think, at the time. And I thought to myself that in that present moment, I think that I thought I was doing everything that I possibly could to be like I should be in the national team. Like I'm working really hard mm. when now I look back on it and I'm like, oh my God, that mm. was so poor of me. I wasn't concentrating, you know, I wasn't doing anything. Like I would do the silly things like wear the wrong socks to training, be late to training on time. Like mm. things that I find so annoying now mm. um, that are just like the one percenters. Like it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, it's more about the attitude. And mm. my attitude was horrendous. Mm. And now I look back and I think, okay, no reason, no wonder why the coach like sat me on the bench because I was like this little shitty kid that Mm. was just doing just the annoying things. Yeah, yeah. As you said, it's not what you do on the field. It's pretty much those little things off the field that reflect who you are and what kind of mental stage you're at at that stage as well. Super interesting. How did you know it was your attitude and how did you go about changing that attitude? In the moment, didn't know it was the attitude. Um, when I was trying to go to the 2015 World Cup and I got cut just before it, I think like my whole world kind of crumbled because I, and like many of my teammates and and girls know that we spend our whole lives like altering everything to become a professional athlete. We put, you know, we've missed countless birthdays, holidays, like friendships, Mm. um, everything gets put on the line to just pursue this one dream. Mm. So for me, like I had, I had just like given up so much. And when I didn't make that, I'd like football was my identity and I didn't mm. have anything else outside of that. Mm. So when I didn't make the 2015 and I really expected myself to. Make um, the t- Matilda side? Yeah, make the, the Matilda side for the 2015 World Cup. Mm. Um, I spiraled and I just gave up football. I resented it so much and I was very angry at myself and at all the time that I had missed through high school, Mm. um, all of the friends that I like gave up to just be at training and to be ready and um, everything like that, that I just decided that I was not going to play and I was going to backpack and I was going to go do what I wanted to do and live a normal teenage life and Mm. party and do all the kind of crazy things that I just had never been exposed to. Mm. I mean, that was fun. I I had an absolute ball. How Um, old were you? 2015. I would have been like 21, 20. Yeah. Maybe 20, yeah. 2021. And you thought that was it. Football. I thought over. that was it. I've blown it. I'll never yep. get a second chance. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even that I that I blew it. It was more like, oh, I deserve to be there. It was the arrogance. I was still young and I was like, <laughs> I deserve to be there. And this is like a joke and I'm over not getting picked. I had never been picked for anything. So for me, it was like, I'm over it. Like I've tried as hard as I could. Mm. Like I just want to be a normal kid. So mm. Yeah, I just became a landscaper <laughs> out of nowhere. Became a landscaper. <laughs> Had um, you ever thought about that as a backup plan? Absolutely not, no. Oh, uh, awesome. The assistant coach for the one of the Sydney um, the Sydney team for one year, he was a, a landscaper. He owned a landscaping company mm. in Wollongong and I <laughs> would drive down to Wollongong and I would work with his company. And he is the direct reason why I actually got back into the national team. So everything kind of like loops back in. <laughs> Um, crazily. But Have you got his name? Because I live in Wollongong and I really need a landscaper. So. Shane. <laughs> Shane. Oh, I can't remember his last name. Exchange numbers. Can't yeah. Anyone. I'll moment. let you know. Thanks. <laughs> I can come quote you. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but you have no time at all now. <laughs> but back then, a landscaper. So this came out of nowhere, really. Yeah, absolutely nowhere. I just, I just know that as a, um, just as a landscaper, you'd make pretty good money. So I work six days a week, seven days a week sometimes. Wow. Um, like five to six whenever we needed to. We um, worked really hard, but I saved up a good chunk of money to be able to go overseas and backpack um, with my partner then at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. I went to 
um, Philippines, Thailand, Greece, Croatia, Malta, and Italy. For how long? It was about a month. Cool. Just over a month. And um, I just remember like when I was in Italy, so I hadn't done anything. I just partied, went on sale, Croatia, Mm -hmm. like did everything that I wanted to. South Croatia, um, awesome. Yeah, got a really good tan. Uh, didn't do any fitness. And up until that point in my life, I had trained like almost every day mm. uh, since I was like 12. Mm. So obviously I put some weight on and and I was in Italy and I was like, oh, I might be going back to play. I was kind of like, this was fun, but kind of just not really fulfilling me. And do I really want to go back to landscaping? Not really. Mm. Um, so then I was like, oh, I'll just go for a run. So we're in the Amalfi Coast and I was like, I'm going to go for a run. Mm. I reckon I got like 500 meters and I just like bawled. And Mm. I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like I am so unhealthy, so unfit. Like I don't want to go back to landscaping. I want to play because when we were in um, Greece, maybe. Uh, I was actually watching the 2015 World Cup. I was going to say, you would have watched it somewhere, right? Yeah, it was in a pub and – Oh, yeah, I just like kind of like, I think it was my coping mechanism, just pushed it to the back of my mind. But when it was coming to the end of the holiday, I was kind of like, I need to think about, you know, my life when I get back to mm. the real world. Mm. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think in that moment, I felt so sorry for myself. I was like, I'll never get myself back to this point mm. in my life. One where I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing mm. and I don't know what I'm giving to the world. Mm. Um, so from then on, I like have made a very, very conscious decision to like identify myself outside of football and like mm. who Chloe Legazo is and what my passions are, my drives are. I think that like changed my whole view on football. Mm. Not that I resent it anymore, more that I am so grateful for the opportunities that it's given me mm. and that like I've been given this life to be able to like do what I love and travel to 32 plus countries. Um, and really start to appreciate it for what it is and mm. start to take it really, really seriously. And that's what happened just before the 2016 tournament when we went and qualified for the Olympics for the first time in mm. 14 years, I'm pretty sure it was. Wow. 12 years. Yeah. Let's go back. Labra. That's yes. hard work. You're a normal person. There's no one to be there to help you. So it's all you. What hours were you working and... How did that yeah. change you mentally going from, like it's a privilege, isn't it, in a way, yeah. like being an athlete and yeah. doing what you time, love and then hard, you did hard labour. As yeah, a, hard labour. It was, it was good. I needed it. I think it would, it, it kind of calmed my brain and I think that's why I loved it so much and I still do love it is that like it gave me the same drive as like training mm. because it was hard mm. and I wanted to prove people wrong. Like I wanted to prove all the, the guys on the, the work side that I could do whatever they were doing. Mm. Um, but it was, it was a graft, but at the same time, it allowed me to do what I wanted to do. Mm. And I didn't know it at the time, but it's what got me back into the national team. I was very fortunate that my my boss, um, Mm. so at the time we were doing a retirement, um, village Mm. in Canberra, which was like maybe four kilometers from the AIS. Mm -hmm. So at the time I had been living there. It was a three-week job, so I was just staying there the whole time. And um, the national team actually had a camp going on. Mm. So he would allow me. So I'd I'd wake up at like 5 a.m. I'd go to work and I'd start paving. And uh, when the girls came around to training, which would have been like 10.30, I would go in my like high-vis shirt, my work boots, and I had a van at the time. Um, and I would rock up to the AIS and I would borrow boots from Lisa Devana <laughs> and um, I would get changed into the national team gear and I would play a 11v11 game. And then after that, I would put all my work stuff back on. I'd go back to work till like 6pm. Wow. And I did that for a while um, until the camp was over. And after that camp, um, Alan Stajic at the time actually gave me the opportunity to be able to come back into the national team. Wow. Um, and that was my break. So if I didn't have a a boss who allowed me to leave yeah. work and he paid me at the same time. So yeah, um, yeah, that allowed me to be able to do what I needed to do. Yeah. Get myself back into the national team. And um, he really helped me through that, through all of it. And I was so grateful because if he didn't actually, because he didn't have to put me on that Canberra job. I just think that he knew wow. he was going to be there because we had other jobs in other places. Yeah. But he was hoping that potentially I could get called back in. So yeah, um, cool. How yeah. good's that? It's great. So 
it's almost like fate, right? It's these circumstances that kind of collided together. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking, if you get out of the system, how hard is it to get back into the system? It's not like you can call yeah. up a coach and or, be like, hey, hey, I'm back. Sorry, back I just, <laughs> just had this thing. I had to get off yeah. my mind and get out of my system. And now I'm back. It's not that easy, is it? It's not that easy. Especially, I think, in the way that I kind of like left it where I wasn't, it was my attitude more than maybe mm. my football mm. and, and, and my football. I wasn't, I wasn't ready at the time. And I'm really happy that I didn't go to the 2015 World Cup because I look back now and I think I was prepared in the 2019 to do what I needed to do. Mm. And everything that happened, everything that's happened has happened for a reason. I'm mm. a true believer in that nothing happens by coincidence. Mm. Um, so I just wasn't ready, you know. I look back and I'm like, I was so immature. And even just the style of play and, and where I was at, I just, it wasn't the time. Mm. Did you like, I mean, you have, I mean, sacrifice is a big part of being an elite athlete, right? Right mm-hmm. from when you're young. Like you said, giving up parties, doing other things that teenagers do, even what you eat, how much you drink, you know, yeah. mistakes that you are not allowed and don't allow yourself mm-hmm. to make. Like it's all a big sacrifice. Yeah. Was that, was it a year? Like it was essentially a gap year for you, wasn't it? In yeah, a way. it was. Um, Did you get that all out of your system? Was it good to kind of just yeah, for some good. reason like eat like? And normal whatever I wanted, yeah. drink whatever you could. Yeah, <laughs> like. I, it was really good. I think for me, I know that I have had a unique experience compared to the rest of the national team players, mm. um, because I actually got the opportunity to do that, and I had the opportunity to just find myself mm. outside of football, mm-hmm. um, and I had time away from it to be able to really appreciate it, and that's mm. why I think that I've, from that moment, I find it easy to be able to put things aside. Um, like drinking and socializing mm. and doing all the things that takes to be a professional athlete. I find it really easy now because mm. I've had my time where I'm like, oh, I don't regret anything and I don't um, have a, a what if, you know, like mm. what if I just like went down another path when I was young. I did it. So I'm mm. kind of like, oh, I've had all these scenarios. <laughs> um, and you appreciate yeah. what you've got, right? I appreciate it. Yeah, I really do. Because it's, it's if I didn't have it, like I, I really wouldn't be the person I am today. And I've had the pleasure of being able to go to other countries that are mm. less fortunate than ours and come home and appreciate the life that I live and the country that I live in and the family that I have. Is it easy being a professional athlete? You can fall into a trap because everyone around you is a professional athlete that you can take for granted the privilege that you have of being an elite athlete in a way? Is it easy to kind of I think um, we're in that bubble sometimes to forget where you are? Yeah, I, uh, I explain it like this. So everyone on the outside of professional athletes um, have this perception that there's privilege, which we do. We are very lucky. Mm. We, we do what we love, but we make sacrifices for that. So mm-hmm. yes, we train two or three times, two or three hours a day, but we also, the sacrifices that we live, like I've lived away from home since I was, 18 years old Mm. every every year I've gone and I've lived for 10 months out of the year or longer Mm. in another country Mm. away from everything um and the other thing that I have is like because we're around the best the best all the time we devalue ourselves Mm -hmm. so the the Mm -hmm. idea of I'm not good enough is so embedded in us Mm. Uh, it's sad it's actually really sad Mm. um so to be around that we're very grateful that we have the opportunity that we do but it's it's like we're always in a constant competition. And mm. sometimes we, so my, my partner, um, my fiance actually, she Yay. is trying to become a firefighter mm-hmm. and she ha- she's also was a professional athlete mm-hmm. and um, she belittles like her career as a professional athlete because she didn't accomplish the things that she wanted to. And I, and I like, you need to remember that you're in a small 0.1 mm. percentage of the world who is at the highest level, but we always just devalue what we're doing because there's always someone better. So for us mm. at the Olympics, I'm like, wow, we came, like, we missed out on a medal. And everyone's like, you did it so amazing. You came fourth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but we, the fourth is the worst position ever because we just miss out on a medal. Yeah. And everyone's like, but it's so amazing. And I'm like, mm. but there's always better. And yeah. like, we're always striving to be the best. And I think that's kind of a downfall for us and that people don't really get to see because of the, the mental side of yeah, being it's a tough, right? athlete. It's tough, It's tough. So you're not enjoying the journey because you're always thinking about the next destination in a way. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't get to that destination, you don't yeah. see how far you've come. Yeah. You just and see then there's where always you didn't go. 
exactly. Then there's always a trap. So like you have a, when you when you are successful, um, it's always like it's amazing for a little bit, and then it's like oh, I've got to maintain this, or will I ever be as good as I was then? Mm. And that's that's the tough tough battle as well. How do you deal with that then? What do you tell yourself when you feel yourself going to down that path? Yeah. I think for me, I, I say I'm, I'm unfortunately blessed with having a lot of injuries. So I appreciate, I get, I get time off. Mm. Um, when I'm injured, uh, I appreciate the game and I appreciate like what I do a lot. I get to spend time with my family. So I appreciate mm. that because I don't get the opportunities to. The men- mental battle behind it sometimes it, for my knee has been quite hard um, because I, I have been forgetting lately about loving the game and more about it being my job and the process of getting back for the World Cup and the pressure of that, I Mm -hmm. think it takes it away from the love of the game that I've had Mm -hmm. for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that in a second because I really want to get into that because, yeah, you you got a a big injury, a really big injury at a really crucial, not your back, which is good. but a really crucial stage in this journey to 2023 and Mm -hmm. the FIFA Women's World Cup on home soil. Um, But for you, given everything that you just went to, going back to 2016, I mean, to be a part of the Rio Olympics team then for the Matildas, how how was your attitude at that Olympics? 2016 was the best tournament that... I think I've ever been a part of, well, the lead up to it, Mm. to the tournament. 2016 was incredible. The Olympics was amazing. Um, My attitude back then, I was so excited to be back in the national team. Mm. I was doing really well. I was in really good form. Um, I think now being like a few years on from that, Mm. like I have had the experience to be able to more so have this as my job and the financial side of it as well as helped a lot to Mm. be able to just have this as my sole job I think Mm. like now I take it it is my career Mm. I get I look at it as as this is your job that my job is exactly the Mm. same and um I think that's that that was maybe the biggest difference between then and now when you made that 2019 world cup team given what happened in 2015 I mean yeah for you that moment yeah um, so I've always said like my, my background story is kind of like a rags to riches kind of story where I was never picked. I was, you know, I, I tried really hard, but no one would ever pick me. And now I'm here where I am. Mm. I think in the 2019, uh, world cup, I had always played for my coaches. I had always played for my family. I had always played for someone else. Mm. I had always played to prove people wrong. Mm. 2019, I played for myself. Mm. That tournament was like, I've done all the hard work. I've proved everyone wrong. I've done everything to say thank you so much to all the coaches that helped me. Mm. In that tournament, it was solely for me. Mm. And I loved that tournament so much. It was one, had missed out on the 2015 World Cup. Mm. 2019 World Cup came around. I was more mature, understanding of the game. I was in okay form and I was enjoying myself to know that, like, I deserved to be there because there's a little bit of imposter syndrome sometimes. Yeah. So for that tournament, it was like embracing everything that I wanted to do mm. and just really patting myself on the back and being like, you've come so far. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. It was that. nice. Um, the imposter syndrome. I feel like that's something that it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or what you've achieved. It's such it's a female trait too, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. a female. I'm not even going to call it a trait. It's a curse. I suffer from it all the time mm-hmm. as well. But you as a female athlete, an yeah, elite I know, it's athlete. Because I, I put in the work. Like I know that I put in the work and, mm. and yeah, it's always gonna it's always gonna be there. Mm. I don't think it's ever, ever not gonna be there. Um I think it's a testament to the people that I'm around as well because sometimes I, I regard them so highly mm. that sometimes I'm like, Oh, do I deserve to be here? But yeah, no, I, I, I'm trying to get that out of my game. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's good to, to keep it in there, keep me grounded. I don't want to get back to what I was when I was a kid, so. That's a healthy way of looking at it though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. You have seen, you've been in this Matilda setup for quite some time and you've seen this real evolution 
of the women's game. When you look back at the times that were to where we are now, you know, what is the biggest surprise or thing that makes you really proud and, and almost something you're like, oh, wow, we're there. We've done it compared to where you were before. Does that make sense? Is there something in particular that you're like, oh my God, because I get it from just reporting on you guys for so long. And I kind of think back to stuff that you went through and I Mm. think it all the time. I'm constantly just going, it feels like a lifetime ago. What's that, what does that to you? Selling stadiums out now. Yeah. I think when I think back to when I was in the, when I first debuted, there was probably like 2,000 people there. Mm. So to walk into a stadium where people are wearing your jerseys and they're like there because they love the Matildas mm. and you've got young girls screaming at your name and, and looking up to you and I think that type of culture makes me stand back and say, wow, like mm. we've come so, so far. Mm. Just by like capturing the nation and like getting them to fall in love with all of our stories and mm. who we are as people and – um you know, the direction that we want to take them and how our football's been going, I think, like, that is the biggest difference for me. Obviously, there's so much more that's happened. Mm. Um, I'd argue like, that more Australians can rattle off names of the Matildas sure. than they can the Socceroos. Yeah, which easily. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Even in a World Cup year for the men. Uh-huh. Even yeah. in the midst of it now. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like, um, football is, like, football for, for girls is the the most participated sport now. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible mm. because when I was playing, uh, we could only train with boys up mm. until, you know, when all girls soccer started. Mm. Um, so for me, like even just that, like the, mm. the avenues that are available for the girls now are mm. unbelievable. And it just goes to show like how far we've actually come. You used to play internationals enclosed stadiums too where it wasn't yes. even open to the public which I'm yes. find mind-boggling anyone uh-huh. who's listening to this podcast every Matilda who comes on I bring it up again because I find that mind I found it mind-boggling at the time yeah and I find it even more so given where we are was there a sense when you did start and probably it was in that Penrith game yeah that you packed out that was the first time you yeah. packed out that and broke a record for the most attended Matilda's match I think it was in 2017 was that because I, watching that and watching your evolution as a Matilda squad for a, quite a while, I got this sense of like, I'd always argued, it's possible, just give them the chance. For sure. Did I you feel I'm, that as a player that you're like, we can pack this out. It is the most participated sport for little girls in Australia. Give us the resources and the chance to be able to do it. And now you are. Yeah. You I built it. It was, it, was, um, it was the chance. Give us the chance. Mm. to be able to do that but I think as well like it was coming off the back of our success so we had qualified for the Olympics yes for the first time in in 12 or 14 years I can't actually remember mm. so it can't it had filtered down um so we had actually had our funding cut for the Olympic team because we hadn't been in the Olympics for so long mm. so when that happened like a lot of things started rolling mm. so then we were in at the Olympics and obviously the Olympics is the most viewed um sporting event in the whole entire world mm-hmm. Um, so that gave us more exposure and then that put our name on the map truly, like Mm. obviously with, um, everything that happened with us going on strike that put our name on, on the map, Mm. but we did pretty well at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from then on, we were just in major tournaments. We were winning, um, we were winning in good form and yeah, I think like people just really just like, I don't know, started to watch. And then once they started to watch, we became a, like a different team. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because you yeah. you knew you had that support. It was there. I mean, you play yeah. in front of those kind of crowds and then that just does yeah, something passion, to you, right? the passion was always there. I think people just started to come and actually like appreciate it. But They're the passion had never, it. yeah, the passion had always been there. The, mm. the national team's been the same since the day I got in. <laughs> yeah. And, um Claire Polkinghorne just got 151. Just yep. got it. Yep. Yeah. So next, next. She's got the record um, for the most. That's a lot of caps. Well, she's she's equal with Cheryl Salisbury. So in the next camp, she will become, yeah, the most number caps. one, which will be phenomenal and just goes to show like that's like an amazing career. Yeah. 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 Which 
with consistent, consistent games. And when I think back to when I started to play, it's unbelievable if you were to think about it because we never used to play that many games in a year. Mm. We used to maybe have like four, if, yeah. four games a year. Yeah. So when Polks has played 150, yeah. that's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Awesome. Love Claire Polkinghorn. Um, who's been your, talking about Claire and, and the fact that this squad has been together for, for quite a long time, but who for you, when you joined the Matildas, did you look up to, was your mentor, someone that you were close to? So Lisa Devana, um, was my roommate for three years. Yay. Um, Love Lisa. I learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about being my own individual person. Mm. Um, and then, you know, obviously I grew up with a lot of the girls like Sam and Kate and Alana and. Emily Van Egmont, um, that was kind of my mm. generation. But I had uh, Heather Garriott, who yeah. was also at Sydney FC that I, I used to look up to. Yeah. Um, and Danielle Brogan, who I don't know if you know her, but mm. she used to be in the national team. She was in Sydney FC. Mm-hmm. They were the older girls and Sarah Walsh. Oh, so she... all of them stemmed from Sydney. Yeah. Um, all in the national team. A few of them I played with when I was in high school. So, um, yeah, they were all really good good girls to look up to, um, people who loved the game and who loved the national team and just oozed the Matildas. Yeah. Do you still speak to uh, Lisa? Uh, Actually, I haven't spoken to her in a while, even though I'm in Melbourne. Yeah. um, (laughs) I still get in contact with Brogues, even though Brogues hasn't been a part of the national team for a really long time. Mm. It's actually, uh, it's just good to to catch up with some of the girls who, like when I was a kid, um, like, I used to look up to and now mm. that I'm the older person it's kind of weird to like keep in contact with them and yeah just see how far we've come. What did Lisa teach you? Lisa taught me to have life outside of football. I think um, it was something that she really heavily told me mm. to to lean on to because she didn't want to make the same mistakes that she made without having an identity outside of football. Mm. Um so for that, I'm like extremely grateful mm. of that. So as well as like being wise with the money that we were given for the national team back in the day that I spent it wisely. Mm. Um, a lot has changed now with how the Matildas are going and the pay structure and it's becoming mm. like a living wage, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it was more, you know, be responsible with with what you have because you never know when it's going to end. Yeah. Uh, which is true because you never know when your career is going to be kaput. Mm. Um like for me, I came in for like two camps and then I hadn't seen it for two years. So it mm. was it was a, a good reminder for me to kind of, you know, take this this career seriously. Did you talk to Lisa? Because she was pretty brave and being able to talk about everything that she experienced and, you know, um, the allegations that, you know, she's put forward and everything. She'd been quite brave. Did you talk to her throughout that, that period and give her yeah, your support? Yeah, this is... touchy touchy subject through Mm. through the national team um Mm. obviously for me I see a different side of Lisa that that most people do Mm. um unfortunately like Lisa and I haven't spoken in a a while since the 2019 world cup Mm. um yeah so a lot a lot has happened and um a lot of allegations have been said about a lot of things Mm. um yeah it's just one of those things that it's just, it's a, t- it's a tough situation to be a part of. Super tough. Yeah. Super tough. Let's talk about the road to 2023 mm-hmm. because the Matildas, um, they set about with Tony Gustafsson this mm-hmm. really important four-year period, right? So mm-hmm. the Tokyo Olympics mm-hmm. in 2021, well, 2020, 2022, mm-hmm. the Asian Cup, 2023, the FIFA World Cup, 2024, Paris Olympics. Mm-hmm. And it's part of that four-year journey mm-hmm. to get you guys ready. Yep. You've had this, like, plan to play the world's best teams on mm-hmm. home soil. Like yep. you said, so many friendlies that we've had against some incredible teams lately. You embarked on this as well, but then, and it's all building. I'd imagine you guys are so mm-hmm. excited for 2023. Yeah. I mean, you say it's once in a lifetime, but yeah. it's once in a rare lifetime a that lifetimes. Yeah, <laughs> you get to have uh, the biggest event, women's sporting event on your home soil and you're part of the national setup. Um, and then you went down in a friendly to Ireland 
with your ACL. Yeah. The worst injury for any athlete to get a long recovery. What were you thinking then? There's still a couple of years to get back to where you were, but what was going through your head? Were you afraid then that this could mean, you know, I mean, part of that that plan for Tony was to blood new Matildas Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. What was going through your head when that injury happened and in in the process of recovering? So when I did it, knew straight away. Um, I had my five minutes to cry in the locker room Mm. and um, called my fiancé, said, let's have a baby. (laughs) She (laughs) was like, I think think maybe you should, like, have the night and come back tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, no. like a beautiful thing to say. A beautiful thing to say, but also she was kind of like, you know what, like maybe just yeah, calm down. think about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I called my mom and I just stopped crying. I don't know. Like I said, I've been unfortunately blessed with a few injuries. And for me, I had seen so many girls in the team, in all of the teams that I've played in, go through the exact same injury. And I think through that, I've seen them all come back and all of them come back better or Mm. if not the exact same. So to me, I was like, I know that I'm mentally strong. Mm. Like I I can do this. Like I know that I can do this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be long. Um, I'm nervous because obviously it's a brand new coach, like not that long until the the World Cup. So Mm. how am I going to fit into this? What I said, like I literally gave myself five minutes and I said, look, I can't change it. What can I do now every single day and know that like a positive mindset is what's going to help me recover because there's no, there's literally nothing worse than being miserable every single day. Mm. And I didn't want to be that. Um, so for me, I just, yeah, I just like wanted to make sure that I made the most out of every single day. Obviously, every day wasn't going to be like that. I had mm. some tough days. But I think through most of it, I was pretty, I was pretty happy and pretty excited to learn about my knee and go through all the little wins every single day or every week um, up until maybe couple months ago when it became really hard so for for most people they say and everyone warned me you know the start of it's so hard it takes so long Mm. that first like six months went like that like for me it was like I was I didn't I couldn't walk so then learning how to walk again um getting all my flexion back um doing all these like little things that just made time go so quickly for me I was like yes these steps are coming Mm. really quickly I'm starting to run I'm starting to change direction um, that was awesome. But it was like more when I got into the point where I could do everything, but not at the capacity that I'm normally at. Mm. And I think that side of it was like really, really hard for me because I was like, I know where I was before and how do I get back to that? It's going to take more time. Mm. But I'm like, oh, I just can't turn as fast as I want. Mm. I'm just like, my brain is thinking faster what? than my feet because yeah. I'm, I'm just like not fit enough yet. And I st- I'm still like trying to get there. Like I'm, mm. I'm probably need to give myself more time. Like it's been a year on the 4th. It was a year since my surgery. And like right now I'm like, oh, I feel great, but I've still got so far to go. Mm. Like I, this next six months are going to be like grueling to get me to where I like I personally want to be. Yeah, right. Um, even though I'm like playing, playing, I just played 30 minutes on the weekend. Mm. Um, yeah, like even playing, I'm I'm still kind of like I know where I was before and I want to get back sure. there. Sure, yeah. yeah. And that's been the hardest part because I'm like I'm so close. Mm. Like I'm so, so close, but I'm so far off. It's such a hard injury. Like it used to be career-ending, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's the hardest injury to really come back yeah, from. Yeah, with technology these days, it's unbelievable. So for mm. me, I was, I was really fortunate. We have this thing called an altered G, which like takes the weight off of your body so that you can run at, say, mm. you can run at 50% of your body weight, you can run at 10 whatever. So you start running a lot earlier. But I need that when I go for a run. Yeah, Honestly, it, you don't want to start because the sad thing is it makes your joints feel amazing. And then you go back to running on the ground. When I ran for the first time, I was like, wow, I am heavy. Oh. <laughs> this is but hard work. I know it was hard work, but no, I think like with the technology these days, like I was really fortunate. I've got uh, everything that I need. Mm. I have this thing called a game ready, which is like ice and compression. I had like muscle stim, so I could take it all home and I could mm. do rehab, not just like when I was at the facility, but like so that I could do it 24-7. Yeah. And I think that has helped mm-hmm. so much. And being so on top of it, I think has really also like gotten me 
Because I was, I was back fully training at nine months. So normally it's between nine and, and yeah, 12. 12. Yeah, Yeah, so I, I actually got cleared to play at nine months, but my team in Kansas City was doing tremendous. We had gone 13 games without a loss. So yeah. I came back in at the end of the season, which was hard for my coach to kind of put me back yeah, in, segue yeah. me back into the team. Yeah. So I've just been waiting ever since to, to get some minutes. Um, so yeah, I played 30 minutes on the weekend and I'm feeling pretty good and the fitness really needs to get better. But yeah, um, You're yeah the body's pretty sound. When you were away, the Midwilders had a pretty bumpy road when you, yeah. were, when you were off. I mean, they didn't win for six months or more. Um, and everyone was starting to kind of question what's happening, the World Cup's kind of occurring. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you watching? And then the Asian Cup, which yeah. we expected to go very well in and have mm-hmm. gone very well in the last three Asian Cups, yet mm-hmm. didn't make it out of the quarterfinals. Really yeah. disappointing. What was it like for you to be on the sidelines watching that going on injured? Yeah. I was grateful that I was there. Get mm. me connected to the Matildas. Um, I felt as if I did my part, which wasn't mm. on the field, but could still be there to back up the girls in the studio. And um, for me, it was heartbreaking because as a player, you just want to help. Mm. You want to just help as much as you could, and I couldn't help in the way that I wanted to. Mm. Um, I think the way that everything has unfolded in the last year and a half, it's tough for outsiders to understand kind of what we're doing. Mm. You know, we've had a really tough time getting a brand new head coach coming in in the middle of COVID and not having camps and Mm. just being able to have Zoom calls. And through this period also we've had a lot of the girls who have gone back-to-back seasons without having any time off. Like I I think in like my seven-year career, from when I actually came back, six years maybe, um, I've had maybe tops altogether like four days off, mm. like four consecutive days off. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Seven years yep. you've only yep. had consecutive four days, four days off. off. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I haven't had a holiday. Because yep. this is a life of a female footballer, isn't it? You don't yep. have the luxury of just playing one. Yeah. You're playing around for the longest the world. time. It was like that. Yeah. So now the girls that play in Europe. Sure. So so last year in the Super League. Yep. Um, last year was the first time we the girls got given time off, and and Tony gave some of the the girls in the team some well needed time off, so mm. they didn't come into camp um, exhausted. Which was the f- like we haven't done it in yeah six seven years. Some of the girls have been playing in in the league in like overseas for longer than that. So for us, it was kind of like this year of just like COVID, people needed rest before mm. 2023. Mm. Uh, people were getting injured. Like we still have heaps of injuries. Mm. Um, so it was all yeah. this like growing pains happening mm. with COVID cases and all this stuff where mm. we didn't have our full full like 25 players that mm. we would normally have. And I think on top of that, we were playing the best of the best teams in the mm. world. Like throughout this last year, yes. we played the top 10 teams, top 15 teams yeah. so regularly. So we need like our, our best teams. Mm. And unfortunately, like it just wasn't, it just wasn't a thing, mm. you know? So like expectations of how we were going to go was kind of a little bit, a little bit off. Yeah. 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 100%. Um, but yeah, Asian Cup was tough. I just didn't have the opportunity to be able to do. I know the girls feel as if it was a massive missed opportunity, which it was, because mm. I believe like that was really one of our best chances to be able to win another Asian Cup. Mm. And it just slipped through our fingers and that's, you know, something that us in the national team need to work on. Mm. Um, Competitions like this, we need to be really bringing home the Mm. silverware. But it's just one of those things that, yeah, it's just it's football sometimes, you know. Mm. You came back for the South African game Mm -hmm. and the Matildas won for the first time in six months. And now, <laughs> now they've won four straight. <laughs> Hello, good luck charm. Hello, oh. missing piece. No. Thank you. No. <laughs> I've played 10 minutes out of four, all, all four games, but I will take that. Uh, must no. have been awesome though, finally, after all of that, coming back into the into the. Sport. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. And I, I think, you know, for us to get back into winning form, it's also incredible to end the year um, mm. leading into the 2023 with those four wins. We, we mm. needed them. Yeah. Um, Are you on the right yeah, track I now? Just, yeah. I think, you know, all of the, the structures and, 
um, the principles and everything are falling into place mm. and all the things that we've been working on that, you know, we've just in our, in the background with our team, we know we were there, we were just missing the mark, mm. that they just were, you know, falling into place now. Mm. I truly believe they're coming in at the, at the right time. Um, I just want to pick up on what, because you, what you were saying before that you've only had four days break in seven years. And I think it's really important because that's the yeah. life, you know, without this European competition now, we yeah. just thank goodness. Um, that's the life of a female footballer. Mm-hmm. You've played in Norway, Sweden, UK and America and Australia, of course. Yeah. Um, but just <laughs> how exhausting I know everything we say about being grateful and, yep. you know, the privilege and everything, but that is tough to be a female athlete. No one has to work that much and only have yep. four days break in a row yep. over and seven not, years. And at the time not get paid great. Yeah. So, um, is it a money thing as well to make sure that you're always getting enough yeah, money? Yeah, I like mean, that's the, for me, I wanted to play all over the world. Like that was just something I wanted to do because I wanted to make sure that, one, I wanted to see – how everyone played in all their leagues. I, I just thought, oh, it would make me yeah. a better player to be able to have different views of different coaches, but it gets exhausting, mm. right? So I, I've been at Kansas City for two years. I've got one year, one more year on my contract. Mm-hmm. I decided that I needed to find like a home, like I needed a base. I needed something to come back to. Mm-hmm. I was over living out of a suitcase and starting friendships and and having a connection and then kind of just picking up and leaving and going somewhere Mm. else. When I was younger, it was fun. I was like, cool, I'm going to, I'm living in Norway, living in Sweden. This is fun. Mm. Went to England, like everything like that. Had all of those experiences, all those cultures. But at some point you're like, I'm over going Mm. to an empty apartment, starting all over again, meeting new people, which is awesome. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm now a little bit older. I want to have somewhere that I can live, that I can leave all my stuff Mm. and I can come to and from wherever I want and have that as my home. So now I have that and I'm mm. like, wow, that's, that's, it's actually really, really nice. nice. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like the little things. It's the little things. Cause I've never, like, I would love to be able to have a place where I can buy all the things that I want to, mm. but I don't want to spend the money. I've, I could probably, um, furnish like a five bedroom house with the amount of stuff that I've bought from mm-hmm. every country I've lived in and just yeah. left it there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you just have to like, and then you, so for us, people don't know, but you get given an opportunity to play in a different team and they can pay out your contract. You can get up and move within five days. Mm. So that's happened a couple of times. Like I, when I moved to England, I got up and I left Australia within three days. I had my contract signed and sealed and Mm. I was shipped off and that was it. Same when I was in England, when I left England, I had, I'm going to say maybe maybe two days. It got presented to me. I said, please make that happen. Made it happen. Gone. Same when I was in Norway. <laughs> what, two days? After two yeah. days? Yeah. Wow. Gone. Brutal. And then, well, England was tough because then I actually got stuck in England. Because COVID know, then stuck. Two months. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't actually in my apartment. I had to had to leave my apartment. What? So you got over, because it was Brighton, right? You got over. It was, no, it was uh, Bristol. Bristol, Bristol. Close, yeah. Oh my God, do you know, this is so embarrassing. My sister lives in Bristol and I always call it Brighton and I should, <laughs> should I'm like, think of the paint, think of the paint, think, think of the paint. paint and I've just done it again. <laughs> Bristol, yeah. <laughs> I've done that. She's going to hate me. Bristol. Um, yeah, you're playing for Bristol over yep. there and then yep. moved over there two days later. Yeah. No, 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 not two days. No, no, no. No, I had played there. I had played there. Yeah. No, when the when the contract had come in ah. that the US wanted to get me, it took two days. I signed the contract and then, and then I was gone. meant to go back to the US. But my team was like, well, you've now signed your contract. You don't play for the team. You need to get out of team housing. So then team housing, I was like, okay, well, I don't live in Bristol anymore. I'll go sleep. I, this is a great story. <laughs> so I signed my contract like the 26th of January. Um two years ago yep. and um, yeah, I actually didn't leave to March something. Yeah. So I went and stayed with my friend who lived in London and she played in the second division in England and I slept on her two-person couch for two months um, while I was waiting to get my visa done to go back to the US. I was like, couldn't train with the team because of COVID. Nothing was open yeah. because of COVID. Um, the embassy like took just forever to, for me to get it done. I oh, missed wow. a national team camp um, wow. to be there and yeah, just wild. So the glamorous life that, that we yeah. have sometimes. Footballer, traveling footballer, yeah. international yeah. footballer. Stuck. It's awesome. Wow. Tough. It was really tough. 
You're yeah, now fun, you know. I got to hang out with my mate for two months, which I didn't think I was going to. But Very close confines, locked yes. in your house <laughs> <laughs> together. Um, you're now playing in the new A-League women's franchise, Western United. Yep. That change, so you're on loan from Kansas City over here. Is this to get more minutes and to be back in the in the A-League women's? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a strategy that I knew I needed to do. Um, I would have loved to have had some time off. Um, but I know that because I hadn't been playing and I really need to play if I want to be selected in the national team, that mm. um, this was the perfect opportunity for me to come home, mm. play minutes before I go back to um, Kansas City for, for the new season. Is it cool though being part of like a startup? Like you're, yeah. So you'll be like a foundation player essentially? Yeah, I think that's what swayed me into coming here um, because I only want to play for a few more years mm. and we – Lately, I've been talking about a legacy with the national team and mm. what's your own individual legacy and how are we going to capitalize on the opportunities that we're going to be given in the next year. Mm. For me, it was more like, how can I make the W League, or now the A League, how can mm. I make the A League the best that it can be? Mm. For me, of all the experience that I've had overseas, mm. like how can I help um, to make sure that the players who are coming through, because the young ones will be the future of the Matildas, mm-hmm. And I have so much to give back to this league because it gave so much to me. Mm. Um, I just wanted to to have a, f- a fresh slate and to be able to influence what was happening in a club. And obviously mm. the club itself had already great values and morals and direction in where it wanted to mm. go. But if I could help um, get it back to kind of the good old days of, mm. of loving football and mm. football and its culture, mm. um, Oh, why not want to be a part of this? It's yeah. so awesome. You know, you get to be the first of so many. You make history in mm. this club and you can set the foundations for all the younger kids coming through so that they can have the same equal opportunities as I did, if not even better. Seems like, Chloe, to me, like you take your role as a footballer so seriously. You value that so much. Like you don't mm. just want to play mm. football anymore. You don't want to just score goals. I mean, we all yeah. do. but <laughs> It goes deeper than just that for you, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that we have an opportunity being influential people to be able to help as much as we could, Mm. as much as we can. Um, And while I have the platform to be able to do it, I want to do it because, Mm. you know, when my football career is over, people are going to remember when I played and Mm. everything like that. But I think the impact that I have off the field will be way more. And I want Mm. it to be way more because, like, I'm a quite quite a genuine person where I do want to help as much as I can. And it's just I had so many people on my side when I was younger and mm. I just want to be able to do the same for other people. Mm. How do you – because you've been – you've seen the A-League women's, the former W League, since you were 16, mm-hmm. 17. Uh, like when you've come back now, are you happy with progression? Do you think we took one step forward and now we've taken a step step back? I mean, it's not on – a free-to-air broadcast channel anymore. Um, yeah. I, um, how do you feel about it? I've leaps in, in other ways, I guess. I've mm. waited, you know, since I've been a part of the, the league now for it to have an expansion in games, not in teams. Mm-hmm. So we've, ha- we've had expansions and, and teams drop off, but the expansion in games now and the investment in that I think is going to really help the league. Mm-hmm. I think the infrastructure around the players coming into the league is a lot better and so that will help. And now that the league is separated from the FA, they have the opportunity to be able to market it in a way that they want to. So mm. I think it's not like it's starting from zero again, mm. but it's kind of being knocked back a notch and they're figuring out a way to do it themselves. And, mm. I, and I think that, honestly, like I went to the A-League launch um, like last week and the, the amount of money investment and the news reporters that were there mm was like eye-opening to me. I was yeah. like, wow, we're, we're investing heavily in this. And yeah. But I think you're right. Like the 2023 World Cup will inject even more mm. into the into the A-League yeah. women's as yeah. well, 100%. Um, you're called the golden generation of Matildas. That's, that's You've been to – it's a special <laughs> group though, right? Like you guys have been together and playing together and you've – You've watched this evolution of the women's game mm-hmm. together. I mean, it's it's a special special group. I saw when you know you came back into the squad and how everyone yeah. reacted. And yeah. I mean, that's what is it that makes this group so special? We spend more time 
you know, with these girls than we do with our family. So a lot of the girls we've spent growing up together, we've known each other for, for years and years and years. And you spend time with the girls in vul- vulnerable points in your life. Mm. Um, and, and that kind of like bonds you together. And when you when you miss someone, I guess, when they're not in camp for a long time or anything, you genuinely miss them because you've all been through the same heartbreak and mm. you've all been through the sacrifices together. You've all been through the hard workouts, the blood, sweat, the tears. You know, we've had people pass away in the family, like family mm. members pass away. We've all been there for each other through mm. camps. And I think, um, yeah, like the older you get, the more you appreciate the value of the friendships that you make within the team. Mm. What's next for Chloe Legazzo after 2023 and the well, World Cup? Well, hopefully we do well and we, we go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I get married. Yay! <laughs> yeah, uh, we're both two busy people, so I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen. Probably have to put her on hold again and, and just say wait till after the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got so much, you know. Like I, I did a small interior design course and I started doing interior architecture when awesome. I was at the Olympics and I, I was like, I can't, I can't be making models and going to the Olympics. So I kind of put that on hold. Mm. But I think I'll definitely pick some other things up. I've, I've really started to venture into what life outside of football would look like mm. um, because I only want to play for a couple more years and, and mm. then have some kids and, Yay. you know, do but all, not when do you've all got the an amazing ACL. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought to myself, you know, in that moment I was like, oh, I'm going to have 12 months off anyway. Like what's nine months? <laughs> Just slot that in there, you know. Perfect timing. <laughs> Trust, I don't. Katrina Gorey, I was about to say, superstar. You know, yeah, it's it's difficult, right? Getting back after having pregnancy, but their mini just made it look super easy. Playing I the best know, football right? of her life. Like, if it's, that's if that's the case, then every Matilda should go out sure. and get pregnant and then come back. I know, right? <laughs> Do what mini's doing. So she's, maybe not such a bad thing. She's absolutely on fire. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, having kids in, in the national team as well now, which we haven't had before, yeah. brings a different different light to it you know where it's so amazing mm. to have harley and harper there yeah um to me and as well. yeah yeah it's yeah, to make his little baby. yeah yeah um it's just beautiful you know like we look at minnie and we're all like we knew when you were a kid and now you have your own kid and yeah it just makes you appreciate how far we've all come and yeah she's what is it like having the, because the kids are in the camp yeah. as well? Because I know a lot of people, when they're bringing in pregnancy policies, were like, yep. it's distracting, it'll mm-hmm. distract them, whatever. No, it's, it's basically beautiful. putting a, a men's sport lens yep. over For sure. the women's game. But yep. you're saying it brings a whole different perspective and light. Yeah, it just lights up the room. You know, when when um, Harper's in there and she's eating pasta one strand at a time, everyone is literally <laughs> looking at her. <laughs> And it just like, it just brings something so completely different and there's so much love towards that little girl that like, yeah, she's just got some pretty cool aunties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she just brings so much more, just brings the hostility of camp life down a little bit, you know, like yeah. just makes us be grounded back to, to life outside of what Beautiful. we're doing and how crazy it can be. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. It's a great perspective. Um, also, great podcast on Minnie came on on her game as well last year. So Aww. check that out. Go back in the feed. There we go. Yeah. Hey, um, final question, question we ask everyone. If you could go back and tell that 10-year-old Chloe Legazzo something, the one that isn't getting selected in mm-hmm. teams that's scrawny and short and yeah. small and but loves football, if you could go back now and tell her something, what would you tell her? I have a tattoo on, on my arm that says mm-hmm. trust the process. Hmm. I'd go back and I would say, if you really try, like you you really try, you put everything on the line, you need to trust that the processes that happen will give you something. And I say this all the time. I say, whether it's what you actually want or not, it will give you way more to life than anything that is done half. So for me, just put everything into it. Follow mm. your heart. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough mm. because you're the only judge of that because mm. you're the only person who knows how much you're putting in. But when they say you're not good enough, really look at yourself and say, am I trying as hard as I can? Mm. And if you're not, then it's your own issue. And if you are, then it's theirs. Chloe, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our chat. It's great message, great insights. 
what a wonderful journey you've been on and continue to be on. And yeah, just gets us even more excited for the FIFA oh. Women's World Cup. Thank and you so much for having me. And I wait till next year. Just bought my tickets the other day as well. Oh, so awesome. Heading there. Did but, you wait in line for ages? No. I, I know there's been a debacle about it. Yeah, I couldn't get Allianz, but I'm like going to take the kids up to Suncorp Stadium and then oh, hopefully somehow source some tickets for Allianz. Being a sports journal, I'm really uh-huh. hoping. <laughs> and I may have been a little bit complacent and thinking I'll get tickets somehow. For and sure. Then I had just had this bad thought that, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, yep. it's FIFA World Cup at home. Yep. I can't just assume I'm going to get tickets. I'm yep. like, no, nah, I'm on there now yep. getting tickets. So, um, yeah, we can't. And we're trying to predict. You, we're, we're trying to predict the knockout rounds as well. But, um, yeah, I know, hard. And we're like, you know what? We're not doing that now. So, yeah. yeah. Just, Nigeria. Yeah. I'll be there for the Nigeria match at Suncorp okay. Stadium awesome. with my little girls as well. So oh, I cannot amazing. wait. And they're just at that right age next yeah. year. Three and six they'll be. Yeah. They're just at that perfect age to be so impressionable as yeah. well and last the full 90 yeah. minutes um, as well. So, well, that's, that's, that's yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. For me as well, like my nephew will be – It'll be two. Uh, yeah. We'll almost be two. Yeah. So for me, it'll be awesome. Like I can take it out on the field and Yay. like hopefully he'll remember it. But it'll be it's an amazing opportunity to be able to even yeah. have that and have my godchildren, you know, hopefully yeah. be able to come on the field and share that experience with them. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I cannot wait to see you girls shine. But um yeah, it's been great as well watching this journey and your journey as well. And thank you so much for sharing your story with On Her Game today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, producer, Lindsay Green, audio producer, Nikki Sitch, executive producer, Jennifer Goggins.